doctors want to be paid in a different way. The payment model that's problematic for patients and deterring aspiring physicians, according to a new report. Plus, it's election day for Tecumloops to Shwetmik. We hear from the candidates in a three-way race for cookpie of the community. And... It's a touchstone. It's a, a place to hold memory and a place to, to rebuild. The effort to refurbish a memorial in what was known as Stanley Park's gay stroll, where Aaron Webster was brutally beaten to death 20 years ago. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The shortage of family doctors in B.C. has long been documented, with many in the province unable to find a family physician. Now a report is highlighting some of the challenges facing those in the profession, particularly during the pandemic. Amadagahi has our top story. Just bend your head towards me. 20 months into the COVID-19 pandemic, the toll it has taken on physicians is heavy, and close to becoming unbearable. Physicians are reporting that their mental health concerns are worse now after the pandemic than they were before the pandemic. And that's leading to a significant number of burnout. Among its obvious impacts on the mental health of physicians, COVID has highlighted some key issues that according to those in the industry could lead more young doctors to avoid family practice. Doctors want uh, to be paid in a different way. And although payment models might be and seem like a really geeky or esoteric uh, topic, they're actually fundamentally important to, to making sure people have access to family medicine. In BC, the majority of family doctors are working in a fee-for-service model, meaning they are paid by the government per patient visit. According to a recent report published in the Canadian Family Physician Journal, the payment method may be deterring young doctors from choosing this career path. People still do family practice because... This is what we love doing, but we're drowning in paperwork and in the administrative side of, every, of medicine. The report says doctors are left to balance their energy and finances on the day-to-day -day operations of a clinic and what they were trained to do, treating patients. So out of that fee that that doctor is paid for the visit, they have to pay for their overhead. So that would be like the rent, uh, you know, on the, on the, on the place, on the, on the facility that they're, that they're in. Uh, that would be paying the staff. So the person that checks you in for the visit, uh, it would be uh, all the supplies. Uh, and so, you know, those costs have, have been increasing. One doctor interviewed for the report noted the fee-for-service model compelled them to see high volumes of patients without what they called sufficient time during each visit. The report calls for alternative payment plans for family doctors in BC and other provinces so that the system does not run into further shortage in what's clearly a critical time. Amaragahi, Global News. Global News has learned the province is not considering adding children 5 to 11 to the vaccine card program. Getting photo identification for this group can of course be challenging, and every other group had months to get vaccinated before the card or passport applied to them. BC is preparing for Health Canada to give the approval to the Pfizer vaccine altered to a lower dose for 5 to 11-year-olds. The vaccine has been approved in the U.S. and is currently being distributed. 
Today is election day for the Tecumloops Tishwetmik Band. Voters have until 8 p.m. to cast their ballot for the Cookpee, also known as Chief. It's a three-way race for the position in a grief-stricken community that's been the focus of worldwide attention after the announcement of unmarked burial sites near the former Kamloops Indian Residential School. Amandalina Leterio of CFJC News spoke to each of the candidates about why they feel they should lead. Voters will cast their ballot for a new chief at Tekemlips to Sequetmik. Three candidates are vying for the position, including incumbent Roseanne Casimir. There's so much work that's got to be done, you know, especially when we're looking at healing, when we're looking at um, uh, collective betterment of a community and working with, you know, all First Nations and non-Indigenous. Casimir says it was undeniably one of the most challenging years as chief. She says with the confirmation of 215 unmarked graves revealed on Tekemlips to Sequetmik land and dealing with the unprecedented circumstances of the COVID-19 pandemic, it has strengthened her ability to lead. You have to step up to be able to give people hope. You also have to be stepping up to give them compassion and understanding and also um, stepping up to um, support the collective and how we could do that moving forward. Longtime band counselor Jeanette Jules says it's her time to be a chief. She says she will offer more communication and ensure the band's governance law is brought forward. We should be defining who our citizens are and ensuring that our uh, membership is uh, brought forward and passed on to the future generations because they're the ones who are going to inherit what we do today. Jules says she hopes to create a healing centre for residential school survivors. So that we can start addressing the drug and alcohol and mental health issues that are facing our communities today. Also running is Chad Gottfriedson, who was once a band counsellor. As chief, he says he is focused on the future. How we do that is through development. And the other reason I decided to throw my hat in is looking after our membership through our elders, our youth. Gottfriedson says he will have a different approach to the role because he's a people person. I work with, with the elders, the youth, and lots of business people. They think my unique be different, way really different compared to my other two candidates. Amanda Lina Leterio, CFJC News. The B.C. government says it has returned nearly one square kilometre of land to the Seashell Nation on the Sunshine Coast. Indigenous Relations Minister Murray Rankin joined Chief Warren Paul and other officials for a tour of the nation's territory on Friday. It's the latest of four parcels totaling just over six square kilometres that the province says it has returned over the last year. The Ministry of Indigenous Relations and Reconciliation says it has also provided $9 million to support plans for new affordable housing and restored traditional place names along the Sunshine Coast to reflect the nation's heritage. Well, the latest atmospheric river deluge has started to arrive here on the South Coast. Seems to be weather conditions only ducks appear to be enjoying right now and it's only going to get more intense throughout the weekend for most of the region with rain and snow warnings being issued. So let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell with the details on that. So Yvonne, just how much precipitation do you think we're going to get when it's all said and done? Yeah, well, see upwards of 100 millimeters, a few spots even closer to 150 millimeters. And it's all courtesy of this atmospheric river that's bringing in copious amounts of mild, moist air. But we are going to see a significant amount of rain 
and it will be in waves for all areas along the south coast. So it's targeting us for the southern half of the province. Now, the rainfall warning for all areas that are in green. We are going to see it upwards, for example, along the North Shore Mountains, 75, but a few areas near Howe Sound, over 100 millimeters, and areas towards the east and stretching into the Fraser Valley, as well as the western edge of the island, with that range between 100 and up to 150 millimeters. The heaviest rainfall will likely be for our Sunday, tomorrow afternoon, rather, and leading in towards our Sunday night, and then it is going to ease off. We've also got a significant amount of snow. If you're traveling along the mountain passes, we've got a snowfall warning, a winter watch warning that is in effect. I'll have those amounts in the timeline because it is changing over to rain and the risk of freezing rain coming up very shortly. Nithu? Okay, thanks so much for that, Yvonne. A container ship that lost part of its load off BC's coast remains at sea near the southern tip of Vancouver Island. The MV Zim Kingston is at Constance Bank and the Coast Guard says no damage to the ship would interfere with its safe navigation. The freighter has been cleared to move to a berth in Nanaimo or Vancouver after its misadventures. The Port of Vancouver says the MV Zim Kingston was scheduled to unload 3,400 containers before 109 of them went overboard during a storm in late October. Several others were damaged in a fire on the ship's deck days later. While four containers washed up on northern Vancouver Island, spilling fridges onto beaches, the majority are believed to have sunk. The company, which owns a tug that ran aground in the same B.C. waterway where two men were killed this past February, says human error is to blame for the close call earlier this month. Wainwright Marine says it interviewed the captain and crew of the Cadell after the tugboat hit the beach at Ricks Island in the Gardner Canal on November 2nd. That was while it was towing a loaded barge from Kitimat to Kamano. Deckhand Irvin Joseph says he was injured when another deckhand took the wheel during the captain's dinner break. Wainwright says the crew member has been reassigned after admitting to the error. On February 11th, 25-year-old Charlie Craig and Captain Troy Pearson were killed when Wainwright's small tug sank in the Gardner Canal while hauling a barge along the same route. The TSB is now investigating both of those incidents. Former Vancouver Mayor Philip Owen was remembered today in a celebration of life. The family service was held at St. John's Anglican Shaughnessy Church this afternoon. Owen was mayor for nine years from 1993 to 2002. He was perhaps best known as a champion of the Four Pillars drug strategy, which emphasizes prevention, treatment, enforcement and harm reduction. His work led to the establishment of North America's first supervised injection site, helping to save thousands of lives. It breaks my heart, Dad, but we say goodbye. But we say goodbye to you as our hero. And you're a hero to many, for sure. He was compassionate, and this is where some underestimated him. But he was also courageous. And he had a deep resolve to get the job done, especially if he felt it was the right thing to do. His principles were ironclad and unshakable. He was his father's son, and that backbone was made of steel. Owen died on September 30th from complications related to Parkinson's disease. He was 88 years old. Well, days after bad behavior overshadowed some Remembrance Day services in B.C., we're learning about another disruption, one that forced a ceremony in the Okanagan to be relocated. Kimberly Davidson reports. 
It's a day that's held in high regard by almost every Canadian. November 11th, when we take a moment to reflect and show gratitude for the people who have protected our country and offered services to nations in need. Take a look at these. Hey, climb up. This is not the f-ing day. But 2021 was different. Kelowna's unofficial service at City Park, interrupted by protesters with a PA system, taking advantage of the gathering to spread their own message about freedoms they believe are being lost. Not the right time, not the right place. It is the right time. In Lake Country, an outdoor service was cancelled due to a threat of violence. The branch president informed by RCMP that if the United Nations flag was flown at the ceremony someone could get killed. The public ceremony was cancelled and a much smaller service was held at the Oyama Legion Hall. When the RCMP tells you something like that, it, we thought it was the right thing to do, was accept it as, as serious and, you know, you don't know who's out there and who's got issues. So, In Kamloops, protesters opposed to vaccine mandates gathered at the city's old cenotaph, while others unknowingly came to pay respect to veterans. And in Cranbrook, firefighters rushed to clean up graffiti sprayed on a monument that read, the real heroes are the vaccinated. It makes me sick to my stomach. Absolutely sick to my stomach. I can't believe we got people like that in Cranbrook. The right to free speech and peaceful assembly upheld by law enforcement, but questions about the appropriate time and place still troubling to many. Kimberly Davidson, Global News. The records of hundreds of thousands of Punjabi soldiers who fought in the First World War have been uncovered, and a BC historian is highlighting how their digitization could impact Canadians. Stephen Purawal is the curator of the Duty, Honour and Izzeth exhibit at the Museum of Surrey. He's also turned it into a book to help ensure the contributions of these soldiers are represented in school curriculums. Aiding his effort is this week's release of the names and other details of Indian Army troops. The records of some 320,000 of them left unread in a basement of the Lahore Museum in Pakistan have been made available online for the first time by UK-based historians. The records were compiled by the then Punjab government when the First World War ended in 1919, and Purawal says their release will offer Canadians new insight into the contribution of Indian soldiers to the Allied war effort. More and more people are going to be able to look up their ancestors, place them in you know, specific theatres of war, and whether that's in Flanders, that's really important in Canada. Punjabis of all faiths made up about a third of the British Indian Army, even though they accounted for less than 8% of the population of British India at the time. And after the break, remembering Aaron Webster. I don't think we should forget that Aaron Webster was murdered in this park for being gay, I believe. The campaign to restore the slain man's memorial in Stanley Park. And later... The difference between 1.5 and two degrees is a death sentence for us. A climate deal is reached, what it took, and the last-minute coal compromise. It's been almost two decades since a beloved member of Vancouver's gay community was brutally beaten to death in Stanley Park. 
friends fundraised to place a bench near the spot where Aaron Webster was killed. Now, as Kristen Robinson reports, an effort is underway to ensure the memorial's continued presence as a reminder of the impact of violent homophobia. He was an artist, a photographer. At the intersection of two paths near Second Beach, this bench is much more than shelter from the pouring rain. It's a touchstone. It's a, a place to hold memory and a place to, to rebuild. Spencer Chandra Herbert often stops to reflect at the memorial for Aaron Webster. I don't think we can forget, and I don't think we should forget, uh, that Aaron Webster was murdered in this park for being gay, I believe. On November 17, 2001, Webster was brutally beaten to death in an area of Stanley Park known as the Gay Stroll. The photographer swarmed and bludgeoned in a baseball bat attack. A day later, hundreds joined Vancouver's gay community in a march through the streets. Among those standing in solidarity against discrimination and intolerance, the friend who held Webster as he died. Oh, this is, this is incredible. This is overwhelming. Aaron would be blown away by this. Yes, absolutely. Three of the four people charged were convicted, including Ryan Cran, who was sentenced to six years in prison for manslaughter, but released after four. Aaron died at 41. His life was cut short. He has no life ever. This camera. Denise Norman kept the professional camera that once belonged to her cousin. Photos Webster took helped raise money for his memorial. Yeah, this is a list of those who donated originally to uh, help fund it. But after nearly two decades, the bench is in need of renewal. Keeping it uh, together for another 20 years. Friends, including Tim Chisholm, are looking to raise $7,000 to refurbish the plaque tribute so Webster's death is not forgotten. The hate that led to this attack still exists. And I think we need to remember what happens at the extreme end of that hate. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Nanaimo RCMP are searching for the suspect in an attack on a female jogger. The alleged victim snapped this photo of the suspect and his dog as she ran along a trail in Lindley Valley off Burma Road this past Tuesday. Police say the suspect's dog accidentally tripped the woman. She called out to the owner and he allegedly pushed her to the ground violently before aggressively holding her arms after she took his picture. The suspect is described as 30 to 40 years old and his standard poodle type dog has a cropped tail. Police are hoping the public can help track down two unique road bikes stolen from tourists in Nanaimo. The bikes were taken from a parking lot in the 700 block of 3rd Street sometime overnight this past Wednesday. The green single-speed bike with two different tires and the red 10-speed with orange aftermarket pedals belong to visitors from Quebec who didn't have access to serial numbers. Anyone who has seen the bikes is asked to contact Nanaimo RCMP. And still ahead, world leaders struggle to reach a deal. But now we learn that there are even further changes that we were not being made aware of. The last-minute COP26 coal compromise that helped them come to an agreement. Plus, free-roaming cats, they suffer increased trauma. We know they suffer increased disease. Why new research out of UBC supports keeping cats indoors. 
Delegates at the COP26 conference in Glasgow have reached an agreement, but a last-minute change to the text proposed by India has infuriated many countries over how it was made and what it means. As Redmond Shannon reports, it came after a long day of extended negotiations in Glasgow. In the tradition of previous COP meetings, the negotiations spilled past the Friday deadline. With a third draft on the table, delegates gave their final thoughts. The difference between 1.5 and 2 degrees is a death sentence for us. Most admitting the text was imperfect, but no deal would be far worse. But for heaven's sake, don't kill this moment by asking for more text, different text, deleting this, deleting that. Members of a group of developing nations insisted they need help to deal with climate loss and damage caused by emissions that historically have come from the West. We refuse to get trapped in the carbon colonialism. Others, including China, South Africa and India, raised concerns over the text calling for an end to inefficient fossil fuel subsidies. Developing countries have a right to their fair share of the global carbon budget and are entitled to the responsible use of fossil fuels. As delegates convened to vote, a last-minute intervention by India and China secured a change committing to a phasing down of coal power without offsets rather than a phasing out. Many were furious, feeling blindsided. But now we learn that there are even further changes that we were not being made aware. The COP president, emotional and apologetic. I'm deeply sorry. But I think, as you have noted, it's also vital that we um, protect this package. Experts say the previous draft was not enough to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees. This tweak likely makes that goal even harder to reach. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. Heavy rain south of the border caused flooding in Washington as a weather system is dumping moisture on the region. Rivers swelled, causing some people to get stuck, needing a rescue. It's not known what caused these people to be in distress, but crews were on the scene to pull two people out of this swelling river. The victims were helped up the bank to a first responder, and at least one of the victims did manage to get on a stretcher. New research is adding weight to the argument that cats should be kept indoors. At issue is a parasite called Toxoplasma gondii. Cats are essential to its lifestyle. A single feline can shed millions of eggs. From there, the parasite can infect any warm-blooded animal, including humans, and can cause chronic inflammation. Eye disease, flu-like symptoms that last weeks or months or even cause pregnant women to miscarry. So in urban areas where there are more cats, researchers found more of the parasites among wildlife. Free-roaming cats, is they suffer increased trauma. We know they suffer increased disease. And we're starting to realize, too, I think people are putting more effort into progressive feline enrichment. So basically, um, cats kind of getting the same reward, same engagement as dog owners. So harness training, catios. I think just really kind of understanding that cats are domestic species. They're not a wild species. And just like dogs, um, I think that we need to promote responsible pet ownership. 
In Health Matters, Canada's public health agency is investigating an outbreak of salmonella here in Western Canada that's left at least 46 people sick. The agency says it's still trying to determine the cause of the outbreak, which includes B.C., Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and one case in Ontario that's linked to travel from Alberta. Three people have been hospitalized. No deaths have been reported. The agency says those involved reported eating fresh produce before falling ill. No food recalls have been associated with the outbreak. And coming up, it is World Kindness Day. We've always said in Delta, and I myself as mayor, we'd never have a parking meter here. And why it's motivated this municipality to make an exception to that rule. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, we may be all missing some kindness in our lives these days, but some people are trying to do something about that on this World Kindness Day. I just got 59 minutes of kindness. The mayor of Delta dropping in change in one of five colorfully decorated kindness meters that have been installed right across the city. The meters will be moved around the city every six months. They were painted by local high school students and the funds collected will be donated to local organizations that support those in need. We repurposed five old parking meters and we've always said in Delta and I myself as mayor, we'd never have a parking meter here, but we made an exception as a sign of kindness and a great way to get a spirit of kindness going through our community. Oh, thank you so much. Pants and belts and this is sweaters or sleepwear. Awesome. And in Richmond, a couple showed their kindness today by collecting men's clothing for a local homeless shelter. Angela and Chris noticed recently that the shelter was short of proper apparel for the occupants. It's so bad that some men were wearing women's clothing. They had about five hangers that were for men, and the rest of the clothes that they had were for women. But the majority of the clients that are at the shelter, which actually has 60 beds, are men. So... We wanted to just change that and bring some work to these guys uh, this winter. And due to the overwhelming response, they had to shut down the clothing drive two hours later, filling up a U-Haul truck and five vehicles full of clothes. Well, great to see a generous spirit from the community there and that the weather held up, at least for those shots there. But I'm sure a few hours later is when that downpour started to come down. Yvonne. Yeah, now the rain's really started to pick up. It'll continue to be heavy at times, leading in towards our Sunday. And then by Monday, we'll see a much needed break that'll be on the way. So be prepared. A significant amount of rain, and it's all courtesy of this atmospheric river. Temperatures are currently sitting at 7 out of the airport. We've got that rainfall. It's breezy, though. Northeasterly winds are sustained at 20. And we do have some gusts closer to 40 kilometers per hour and here's the moisture we can see it there's a wave heavy at times right across the island as well and there's the source from the tropics so we are going to see some warm air as this front uh, crosses uh, moves across the region now the precipitation will be heavy at times but some of the heavier rainfall a heads up will be for the afternoon leading in towards the evening for our sunday and then we'll still of rain in towards our Monday morning. So it's upwards of 100 and potentially up to 150 millimeters. A rainfall warning in effect for all areas that are in green and we're seeing higher amounts for the western edge of the island. How sound will be included within that? It'll be rain for us along the south coast, but higher elevations the big concern, especially for this evening, will be snow heavy at times and then with the passage of that frontal system, it is going to change over to rain. So we are going to see melting snow, localized flooding will be a big concern and the winter storm warning 
warning for this evening is currently in effect along the Rogers Pass with 20 and up to 30 centimeters. All areas along the Coquihalla Connector as well as the Sea to Sky for Whistler with up to 15 centimeters. So check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. But another concern will also be for tomorrow with the warm air aloft. We are looking at the risk of freezing rain and that'll be for the southeastern corners of the province. Much of the northern half tomorrow along the water will be wet and windy. Inland we'll see some flurries changing over to showers. The central interior will see the precipitation in the morning. uh, Flurries and then changing over to showers and then some breaks actually towards the afternoon. The concern will be for the southeastern corners of the province where we're looking at the risk of freezing rain. Most areas into the tops at Okanagan will see the heavier rainfall developing towards the evening but it's the morning hours that will have that snow changing over to rain for higher elevations especially near the summits for all of the, the mountain passes. Along the south coast so be prepared. We've got a soaker that's on a way. This is a juicy system atmospheric river that'll bring in that significant amount of rain. It'll be breezy tomorrow. Some of the heaviest rain tomorrow afternoon and evening continues in towards our Monday, clears out towards the evening. A nice bright spot will be on our Tuesday. Nithu, there's the sunshine. Thanks for that, Yvonne. Well, a spirited bunch lined up outside a number of BC liquor stores this morning to get their hands on some premium spirits. Thirty-eight B.C. liquor stores took part in the annual one-day premium spirit release. More than 180 types of whiskies and prize spirits from around the world were on sale. One of the rarest up for grabs, the Dalmore Decades Collection. It's one of only 25 sets in the world featuring four whiskies with a $200,000 price tag. To get that set, customers had to enter an online draw. Well, I think we have over 250 people lined up at the Canby store right now. We already had a pre-order where we had over 300 orders pre-done before that. So this is going to be a really big event for us. A lot of customers enthusiastic, really engaged and excited about the products we have to offer. A lot of excitement for that one indeed. Yeah. Were they applauding when they went in? <laughs> it sounded like you it. You are excited to buy your booze. <laughs> no kidding. They might have been waiting outside for a while, right? <laughs> Maybe that was excited. it. Yeah. Cold excited out to have a roof yeah. over their heads. <laughs> uh, what's exciting fans in the sports world today, Barry? Uh, well, it's a little bit of lean times in uh, our market right now, which mm. I know fans are used to. But uh, Canucks, we'll see how they respond. I mean, they got shellacked in uh, Denver the other night, 7-1 by the Avalanche. They play in Vegas tonight. We'll see... Uh, how they respond. That's what good teams do is they shake off the bad games and play a good one. The Lions, well, they officially were eliminated from the CFL playoffs last night. We'll hear from their head coach. So, dang, I wish I had better news, but uh, it's kind of dreary. Yeah, some good kind of advice like the in there, though. Atmospheric <laughs> River like in the a... sports department. <laughs> there you go. Well said. More on all that ahead. Also coming up, language complaints. What these protesters are demanding as Air Canada's CEO hires a French tutor. Watch the Global News and 980 CKNW Leadership Series every Saturday and Sunday in partnership with Fortis BC. That's energy at work. Small but passionate group of demonstrators gathered outside the Air Canada head office near Montreal this afternoon. They took aim at the airline CEO for comments earlier this month that he doesn't speak French despite having lived in Quebec for nearly 15 years. Global's Elizabeth Zogalis reports. Waving flags and holding up signs, about 100 demonstrators stood in the rain outside of Air Canada headquarters with a message. Excuses aren't enough. 
Take some responsibility, says Marie-Anne Alpin, the St. Jean-Baptiste Society president. Respect our language laws. French is the official language here. Air Canada doesn't even respect their own language laws, so we're asking them to do what they need to do. Rousseau gave a 26-minute speech almost exclusively in English at Montreal's Chamber of Commerce last week. When questioned by the media for his lack of French, he said he didn't have time to learn the language. It was a lack of respect to say that it's possible to live in Montreal for 14 years and not be able to understand a question in French or to interact in French because it just showed like, indifference to uh, the people of Quebec. Despite the Saint-Jean-Baptiste Society's hardline views, many demonstrators say they understand the importance of bilingualism, but Rousseau's inability to even try to learn French is insulting. He has a chance to live in Quebec and to live to I mean, it's a good place to learn French, so yeah, he, can, he could just learn it, and then if he's incapable, yeah, eventually he should step down. It does not seem Rousseau will step down, but for Marie-Laurence Degagnier, his comments left her wondering why he's able to get away with being a unilingual Anglophone. Even if the law says that uh, the federal uh, jurisdiction enterprises should uh, be bilingual and ruled bilingually, in fact, everything happens in, in English in those enterprises. Over the past week, Rousseau's comments triggered thousands of complaints to the language police, while international news organizations such as the Washington Post and The Guardian reported on it. Rousseau has since hired a private French tutor. Elizabeth O'Gallis, Global News, Saint Laurent. Coming up, bring on the bright lights as Lumiere lights up downtown Vancouver. We'll tell you where you can see these art installations. Stay with us. Get ready for CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day. This year's Pink Shirt Day campaign speaks to our diversity and need for acceptance and inclusion of everyone. Help lift each other up and help raise valuable funds for inclusive anti-bullying programs for BC's kids by purchasing your pink shirt today. Don't miss Candy Town put on by the Yaletown Business Improvement Association. Enjoy a free outdoor winter market and festival filled with amazing vendors, activations, and fun activities for the whole family. For our BC, I'm Michael Newman. In partnership with BCAA, from help at home to on the road, that's the power of BCAA and it's moving British Columbians forward. All right, Barry's back with a full look at sports. Barry, what do you have for us? Mm -hmm. Well, we'll start with the uh, Canucks. Thanks, Nithu. We'll see how they respond tonight in Vegas after getting blown out 7-1 in Colorado on Thursday night. Canucks talked all training camp about getting off to a good start this season, but they have not. They have been too inconsistent, and they best get their act together soon or they will lose touch with the playoff pack in the West. Vancouver has just five wins in 14 games. Only the expansion Seattle Kraken have fewer wins in the Pacific Division. Yeah, excited to play, for sure. Uh, anytime you have a game like that, you, you're antsy, you're, you're hungry to get back into another game. Um, as a player, you... If you don't play well, you're, you know, you don't sleep well at night. Uh, and if your team doesn't win, it makes it even worse. So uh, looking for a response out of our group tonight. It's going to be a good atmosphere in here, a playoff-like atmosphere. It's a good hockey team we're playing. And uh, when you come into Vegas, you know you got to be ready to play. I guess games like that happen where you give up a lot of goals, but you don't want it to be because of your compete level and your your battle level and your 
the character as a team. You know, sometimes you don't get the bounces they do and special teams dominates another, but it's, you know, we didn't compete very hard last game. We did not have much pushback and that's not, that's not how our team plays. Another area the Canucks could use help in, uh, the camera positioning uh, during their Zoom calls. Let's get it together. Uh, the Lions season started going off the rails two months ago, and last night it officially went over the cliff. A seventh straight loss means they will not make the playoffs for a second straight season. BC started 4-2 and two, but haven't won since. They are a very young team, especially on defense. So with that in mind, Coach Rick Campbell prefers to look at the glass half full kind of cautious in what I say because I don't want to sound like an excuse or things like that but I'm I think there's a lot of very good football players that have a very bright future and have a lot of good fight to them and um, I think with some more experience and that we add a couple more pieces I think all of a sudden we'll come on the right side of these games in the very near future so it's tough right now and uh, the name of the game is winning uh, but I am not, I, I view this team as a team that's building with young people, um, you know, as opposed to an older team that's, you know, on the decline. I would say this is a team that has a chance to be on the rise and we need to be, you know, smart in the moves we make and uh, keep going forward. So the six playoff teams are set in the CFL. Just a matter of who gets the home playoff dates. Riders and Elks, a Saskatchewan win. They clinch second and would host Calgary in the West. But Edmonton, who are last in the division, playing tough. Taylor Cornelius to Jalen Tolliver. 21-20 Elks after three, but the Riders get the lead back. Cody Fajardo to Alexandre Dupuis. First ever CFL touchdown, and it was the difference. Riders win 29-24. Clinch second in the West and home field in the West semifinal versus Calgary. Bombers and Alouettes. Winnipeg has clinched first in the West, starting their backup at quarterback. Al still looking to finish second in the East. Montreal the more motivated team, and it showed. Trevor Harris to Eugene Lewis. Alouettes led 14-7 at the half, and then in the fourth quarter, Harris will throw his third TD of the game, this time to Reggie White Jr. Alouettes win this one 28-14, snapping Winnipeg's nine-game win streak. Owls will play Hamilton in the East Semi, but home field still up for grabs in that game in the final week of the season. The Seahawks have a daunting task ahead of them to make the playoffs in the NFC. Seattle at 3-5 and five probably needs to get to at least 10 wins in this new 17-game schedule. They've got a tough road ahead, including at Green Bay tomorrow, but at least Russell Wilson is back after missing three games with a broken finger. He had a terrific week. He really did. And uh, you could see him just feel a little bit better as the week went on, but he really didn't hold anything back. Um, and he finished great the last couple of days, and, and he's ready to go. I mean, ever since he's came back, I mean, it's not like he's missed a beat mentally or anything like that. He's still doing all the things that needs to be done so he can continue to be his best self. Alfonso Davies did not deliver a spectacular goal in his hometown last night, but he did help deliver a crucial 1-0 victory over Costa Rica to keep Canada on track to qualify for the 2022 World Cup. It was a cold night, as you would expect, in Edmonton in mid-November. Canada didn't run away with this, but they did control it from start to finish in front of a patriotic red and white crowd of nearly 49,000. Davies turns. Mark Anthony Kane blocked. The ball still loose. Buchanan off the bar. That was ridiculous. That was so close. Buchanan out of nothing. Stacchio 
Here we go. Good ball. Lifts it up to the far post. Barrera spills. Barrera spills. It's in. You're not going to beat this atmosphere. I mean, this was 49, 48,000 people who were right from the minute we got off the bus, they were shaking the bus, and it's just been amazing. I mean, I never felt that type of intensity in a football match in Canada in my life. And they will play again there Tuesday versus Mexico. So halfway through the 14-game qualifiers, Canada third place. Just a point out of first, they will host Mexico Tuesday. The game temps expected to be around minus 10. A win, Canada leaps over Mexico. The top three advance to the World Cup in Qatar in 2022. Fourth place will still have a chance to qualify in another playoff, but Canada has its sights on the top three, and they're right on course. Men's tennis, Stockholm Open final. Canada's Denis Shapovalov won this tournament in 2019, his one and only title, taking on American Tommy Paul. Shapovalov lost the first set but bounced back nicely in the second. Deep ground stroke set up the uh, deft volley at the net. Dennis took the second set 6-2. Third set was tight. Shapovalov fighting off a break point here with another clutch volley at the net. He holds uh, the, the serve and leads three games to two. Now tied four all. But this time, Tommy Paul comes up with the big shot. Shapovalov, huge forehand approach, but Paul with the two-fisted backhand pass gets the break and goes up 5-4. And then serving for the match, the young American pounds the first serve and easy put away at net. And Tommy Paul with his first ever ATP Tour title. Shapovalov falling short, but he does move his world ranking up to number 14. NBA tonight, Scotty Barnes and the Raptors hosting the Pistons. No Freddie Van Vliet tonight, out with a groin injury. The Raps' other rookie, Delano Benton, running the floor. Great moves, finds Chris Boucher under the basket for the layup and foul. Canadian to Canadian. There were five Canadians in the game. Three for the Raptors, two for the Pistons. Now it's uh, Scotty Barnes. He will go coast to coast, lays it in, but Detroit led it 65-64 at the half. Toronto just couldn't shake the Pistons tonight. Third quarter, Gary Trent Jr. to another one of the Canadians, Kim Birch for the dunk. And then moments after that, Danton picks the pocket of the other Canadian for Detroit. Corey Joseph goes in for the dunk, but the updated score, Pistons have had a big fourth quarter and they lead 117-108 with just a few minutes to go. Women's international hockey, Preps for the Olympics continuing. Canada in Finland for the Finland series. Natalie Spooner broke this game open with a pair of second period goals. Breaks in off the wing. Fires it short side to make it 3-0. And then on the wraparound, she will get her own rebound. It's a hat trick for Spooner. Canada routes the Finns 8-0. The Olympics coming up fast. They're just 12 weeks away. NHL tonight, Jets and Kings from Winnipeg. LA's won seven in a row, only 11 goals against during that streak. Take the lead in the second. Brendan Lemieux, son of Claude, on the rebound. It's 2-1 LA. But the Jets tie it, and they get it while shorthanded. Great up pass from the defense, and it's Dylan DeMello trailing the play, who will snap it in. Got a bit of a break there off the deflection. It's 2-2, and then an overtime Jets get the game winner, Mark Scheifele, on the one-timer. And the Jets 
beat the Kings 3-2. Also, Penguins and Senators, Ottawa with nine players on the COVID list. A lot of minor league call-ups to fill the void. Second period, Zach Sanford on the rush. First shot block, converts the rebound. Ottawa led 1-0. And then on a power play, it's the former Canuck, Michael Delzato, through a screen. That's the first power play goal the Pens have allowed this season. And the Senators get a big win while shorthanded 6-3 over Pittsburgh. And we'll show you the Leafs and Sabres as well. Sabres' worst attendance in the NHL this season, about 8,000 per game. Mostly Leaf fans in there tonight, finally being able to cross the border. Morgan Riley shot, tipped in by John Tavares for his 100th as a Maple Leaf. Toronto led 4-2, Buffalo tied it, but then the Leafs in dramatic fashion. It's the West Van kid, Morgan Riley, with 12 seconds left. And Toronto beats Buffalo 5 to four. And don't forget Canucks tonight in Vegas. We'll have highlights of that one at 11. Neithi, back to you. Always lots to look forward to. Thanks for that, Barry. And we'll be right back with Lumiere's latest light installations and where you can check them out. Stay with us. The answer here. This was a high risk, high reward strategy. So we wanted to set the record straight. But at the end of the day, we talk. And talk is right here at CKNW. Well, tonight might not be the perfect weather to check this out, but an illuminating attraction returns to Vancouver this month. Lumiere showcases a number of interactive art installations in four Vancouver neighborhoods, English Bay, Jim Diva Plaza, Granville Island and Bentall Centre in downtown Vancouver. At English Bay, a 12-foot-tall dazzling beaver joins Davy, the 24-foot-tall playful grizzly bear. And at the Jim Diva Plaza, the bright matrix structures are said to be designed to amplify feelings of gratitude, with the colors reminiscent of sunsets, sweet treats, and daydreams. The installations are around until November 30th. Beautiful. And as we mentioned, might not be the best weather to go check it out, but it certainly adds a nice feeling to the evening. Yeah, so be prepared. Atmospheric River, we have a significant amount of rain. Uh, that'll continue heavy at times, especially for the afternoon and leading in toward, towards tomorrow evening. That eases off Monday through the afternoon. There's sunshine coming somewhere yeah, in the week as well. Stay tuned Tuesday, for that. Tuesday, nice day. <laughs> all right. Thanks so much for that. And thank you all for joining us. Have a great night. Jordan will be here at 11.